is Bloomberg Surveillance. You can think of cash as effectively a very, very short duration asset. The problem is right now, it's not very attractive. What change does the U.S. need more than anything else economically? I would argue tax reform. A pretty poor way to judge the strength or lack thereof of a once vibrant American economy. You say we're doing better in Japan or Europe, which are not growing at all. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keene. It is 7 a.m. on Wall Street, noon in Brussels, where there are reports police have now captured the suspected mastermind of yesterday's bombings. Bloomberg's Caroline Conan joins us now from the Belgian capital. Caroline, what can you tell us? So this is very interesting because this suspect that has been caught, according to the Belgian media, uh, draws a clear link between the Brussels attacks and the Paris attacks back in November. So his name is Najim Lashkawi. He's uh, 24 years old. He is believed to have traveled to Syria in early 2013, and he's also believed to be a close accomplice to Salah Abdeslam, uh, the only uh, surviving terrorist of the uh, Paris attacks who was arrested here in Brussels last Friday. We do understand from media reports that the Belgian police were aware of these three gentlemen. Yes, and uh, last uh, yesterday afternoon, the Belgian police actually uh, posted the uh, picture of Najim Lashkawi. Uh, he was seen at the airport pushing a luggage cart, wearing a hat and glasses uh, with a white jacket next to two men who are believed to be the El Bakari brothers who supposedly blew themselves up at the airport. Now, Najim Lashkawi has been, uh, the police has been looking for him since November 13th, since the dreadful attacks in Paris, because he was believed to be in connection with Salah Abdeslam, his DNA was found on some of the explosives that were used at the Bataclan concert venue on November 13th. And he was also seen at uh, the border between Austria and Hungary last September before the Paris attacks uh, in a car with Salah Abdeslam. Uh, Kelly, just before we let you go, I know they've just finished a moment of silence in Brussels for the victims of the attacks. What is it like there today? Is life getting back to normal? Is transportation up and running? So the metro uh, lines are not all running, especially the ones around where I'm standing right now, the European institutions. Uh, this is where the metro station Malbec was hit around 9 a.m. local time, Brussels time, uh, uh, yesterday morning. This metro line remains shut. Some other lines have reopened. The Eurostar services have started to run again to London or Amsterdam. Uh, the Brussels airport, of course, remains shut for now. I can see right now some helicopters flying over the European quarter where you have the EU Commission and the EU Council where the EU leaders uh, frequently meet like they did last Friday for the refugee crisis. There is a heavy police presence around the Commission. There is no specific security parameter except around the metro station, but there is soldiers and heavy police presence around here. Caroline Conan in Brussels, thank you for joining us this morning. Calm has returned to European and U.S. markets. In Europe right now, the stock 600 is up a point, three-tenths of a percent. In Germany, the DAX is up 103 points right now, over 1%. The euro on the day, 111.96, is down by about two-tenths. The FTSE is up by three points right now, about uh, 
well, we'll call it less than a tenth of a percent. The pound continues to fall, 141.92, although it has paired its losses. And if you take a look at implied volatility, as some analysts have done this morning, they're suggesting the drop may be overstated as a sign of Brexit risk. U.S. futures unchanged on the day. No change for S&P, Dow, or NASDAQ e-mini futures. Bond yields, little change, 10-year, 193 141 for the five-year and the two-year, 88 basis points, although the whole curve has moved up just a touch from yesterday after signals from several Fed officials. They may be more aggressive than markets have priced. And today, a Bloomberg exclusive. Tom, you and I will interview St. Louis Fed President James Bullard, 9 a.m. on Bloomberg Radio and TV. We are. And I'm sure there are many things you want to know from him. What, what's the most important thing? I think the most important thing from from him and his comment on a little bit of rising inflation and just the dynamic here of CPI in Cleveland, Robert Hormat's with us with Kissinger Associates. What would you like to know from the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis president? He's an interesting guy. He's very interesting and a very thoughtful person. Uh, there, there are a couple things. One would be how what's going on in the global economy and the general weakness of the global economy is affecting their decision-making, uh, if at all. Uh, in the past, volatility in markets, particularly concerns about China, have caused them to be a bit more cautious. I'd be interested if that uh, sentiment continued. And the second, the question of these terrorist activities. Do these, over a period of time, undermine investor confidence? Do they cause market instability? It turns out markets today seem to have become yeah. much more normal after a horrendous attack on Belgium. The question is, if there are more of these attacks, because there are a lot of former uh, foreign fighters coming back into Europe and other parts of the world, if they continue, does that cause problems? He won't speculate on that, but obviously he has to be concerned about that, undermining consumer confidence and investment confidence, as it did in the United States after 9-11. Interesting uh, point you raise about the markets yesterday. Lowest volume of the year. Uh, losses in Europe very contained. U.S. markets mixed. Uh, and right now we're seeing uh, a rebound in markets. Have yes. investors, as horrible as it sounds, become somewhat inured to terrorism? I think they have seen lots of acts of terrorism, and they've seen the markets recover after each one. So they're beginning to build this notion in that markets won't be permanently adversely affected. The question is, if there are more of them and they're more widespread, does that sentiment change? But you're quite right for the moment. Markets have shrugged off these horrible, uh, volatile, terrible mm -hmm. tragedies and, and done it fairly quickly. So the question is, will this continue? You know, but a lot to talk about within our international relations. Robert Hormat's with us uh, for this half hour. Bloomberg Surveillance this morning. Brought to you by Invesco. Do the day's headlines have you searching for more investment views? Invesco's experts can help. Find the latest thought leadership at the Invesco blog. Visit Invesco.com slash U.S. to subscribe. Um, Bob, part of our diplomacy is the privacy of citizens. It's going to be invaded. I mean, we're four months on from Paris. A attack, there could be another attack three months, seven months, two years out. Tell me how the State Department works day to day trying to honor our privacy as citizens. This is going to be an enormous, already is an enormous dilemma. On one hand, the intelligence services need more information and they need it well in advance. You just can't do it afterwards. You have to really. Yeah. 
find ways of, of tapping into potential threats. On the other hand, you don't want to uh, do things that violate the privacy of Americans. Uh, it's in our Constitution uh, that you don't do that. So they're going to have to find the right balance. My guess is that for the moment, Americans are going to allow more uh, invasive activities by the intelligence services with courts obviously having to provide the go-ahead to do it. So you need some judicial oversight and you need some congressional oversight, but you need intelligence. That is the thing that all of these incidents underscore. You need very good intelligence. It's very hard to get mm -hmm. to the extent you can find ways of doing right. it. Then I think Americans will sacrifice a little bit of privacy for a lot more security. Very quickly, you've worked for Republicans. You've worked for Democrats. Did you know anyone on Donald Trump's foreign policy team trotted out yesterday? I don't actually don't. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't actually seen the list, so I, I've really hasn't, not, okay, hasn't have not had a chance to. I'll get you the list see this. commercial break. Yeah, I okay. suspect the answer will remain. The same. I, I don't know. <laughs> I just thought you know we're talking to Bob Hormat, so those are important. But I do think candidates need uh, good foreign policy advice because what people can say as candidates does have an effect on the national dialogue on foreign policy. So you need people yeah. with seasoned experience. To, to provide right. you information. Michael, what will you ask Jim Bullard in the 9 o'clock hour? You've interviewed him more than I have. No, we want to know, first and foremost, where he is on the dot plot. Patrick Harker of Philadelphia last night came out and said, I am not a two-dot person. I think we need more rate increases, and we should start perhaps in April, which was a fairly aggressive stance. We've also heard from uh, John Williams of San Francisco and Dennis Lockhart of Atlanta suggesting they, too, would move more quickly than people uh, anticipate. So maybe the markets are right. uh, underpricing risk here. Should we talk about the Red Sox beating the Cardinals? Um, no. Uh, it's uh, well, spring, it's spring, spring training. training. It's spring know. training. It doesn't matter. And hope springs eternal. You, as a Red Sox fan, should know that more than anybody else. I'm still getting you, over you it. Are, yeah. You are yeah. undefeated in Major League Baseball in 2016. I'm so just far. trying to get not depressed by April 30th or April Sam 31st. Kennedy, Boston Red Sox president Sam Kennedy, came on this program the other day and said that you're crazy to be so pessimistic. I mean, to hear that from a Red Sox okay. executive? We'll continue with Bob Hormats. Michael Barr will have in New York here important updates from uh, Brussels. A real churn of the market. Futures actually flat, a 10-year yield in a little bit. Watching Sterling, 141. 89, Sterling Weaker. This hour of surveillance is brought to you by Mazda, by Mazda White Plains. Visit MazdaWhitePlains.com. Here's Michael Barr. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Brussels remains on high alert as police have captured the main suspect from yesterday's terror attacks. According to Belgian media, authorities have arrested 24-year-old Najim Lashraoui. He's caught on closed-circuit TV wheeling baggage carts at the airport. State broadcaster RTBF says the other two men seen on video are brothers. Islamic State is taking responsibility for the attack that killed 34 people. Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton won last night's biggest prize of Arizona, while Democratic challenger Bernie Sanders won caucuses in Utah and Idaho. Republican Ted Cruz claimed the Republican caucuses in Utah. Meanwhile, former presidential candidate Jeb Bush is endorsing Cruz. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. Now, Mike Labar. Mike, Tom? Mike Labar, thanks so much. Again, 9 o'clock this morning. Michael McKee and myself in a timely conversation with James Bullard of the St. Louis Fed. 
From New York and worldwide, this is Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. This month, your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State dealers welcome spring with limited-time offers on select models like the sporty CLA and versatile GLA. Each engineered and priced to move, visit MBUSA.com today. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Eisner Amper. When entrepreneurs face challenges like choosing a business structure or access to capital, they call the accountants and advisors in Eisner Amper. Connect with them, EisnerAmper.com slash tech. Credit Suisse Group Chief Executive Officer Tijan Tiem pledged, uh, pledged to accelerate a restructuring through deeper cost cuts and by eliminating an additional 2,000 jobs as he forecast a first quarter loss. And Tiam made the comments in an interview with Francine Lacqua on Bloomberg Television. Futures this morning, their little change. The DAX in Germany is up 1.1%. Ten-year Treasury up 132nd. The yield 1.93%. NYMEX crude oil down 1% or 42 cents to 41.03 a barrel. COMEX gold is down 1.3% or $16.10 to 12.32.50 an ounce. And the euros at $1.1193. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Uh, Karen, uh, thanks so much. We're thrilled to bring you Robert Hormats of Kissinger Associates. Um, this morning, I believe Secretary Kissinger wrote a book, um, which was my book of the year two years ago, called World Order. Yes. It is a jumble. It is just that simple. If the Westphalian system gone, that we hearken back centuries, what's the new world order for Bob Ormetz? Well, the new world order is that the borders that were seen to be sacrosanct um, after the Westphalian system and up through the end of World War II – uh, are now deteriorating, particularly in the Middle East. So you've got uh, challenges to national borders. And then you also, when you look at the way governments operate today, there is not so much one global order as a lot of regional orders. Yeah. If you look around, China's developing a regional order uh, with the trade negotiation process with countries in the region. Uh, the Silk Road, Russia's trying to restore the old uh, Russian Empire. So the, the world is becoming much more regionalized, right. and there are many more transnational actors. That's what's really different. It's not state actors that are the big threat so much anymore, although Russia and I think other countries are still threats. But you've got transnational actors that don't care about borders, that, that perpetrate terrorism and other things, regardless of borders, then don't how, care about other governments. Bob, how do we reaffirm the Atlantic Charter of 1941? That's the ultimate risk. Totally agree with you. I think one of the things we have to do is reinvigorate the Atlantic relationship, which is strengthen relations with mm -hmm. the European community on security issues, on energy issues, on trade issues, a whole range of things. We're, we were a great power after World War II, in part because we were a power and we survived the war quite well. But we would not have been as great a power without strong right. allies. You need strong allies to be a great power. And, and Europe and Japan are critical allies. No matter what goes on in the world, you need them and we need to strengthen that relationship. And Mike, we need to help them with their economies. This uh, speaks to the theme of Ian Bremmer and Eurasia Group in their annual report this year. The Atlantic is important. Was it a mistake? to invade Iraq in hindsight now because it set in motion the toppling of strong men whom we may not have uh, we may not have liked but they kept order 
it was highly disruptive, and the problem was with U.S. policy in many parts of the world, Iraq in particular, we don't really analyze what happens on day two and day three and year two and year three. We don't look at the secondary and tertiary implications of what we do. And the disruption that occurred, not only after the invasion, but dismantling the police force and all other things, this uh, deteriorated into chaos. You would not have had ISIS, I think, or at least not as strong an ISIS, if you had a stable Iraq today. And we don't have a stable Iraq today. And with various other parts of the world, the United States has to take a much more strategic view of what it does, not so much on the day it does it, but what are the implications down the road. Do we have the ability to put in a moderate, rational, pro-American government after the invasion, after the chaos? And the answer is demonstrably and repeatedly that we're very, very poor at shaping new governments, particularly new governments uh, that are supportive of the United States. It is not, it is not happening in the Middle East. We intervene. We need to know what the next implications are down the road, and we're not good at doing that, and we're not good at shaping the futures of these countries. We need a much more strategic view. History would suggest that if you left things alone, new strongmen would arise in these uh, societies. But the extra-state actors that you talked about uh, are the new factor in this. How does the U.S. deal with them? Do we go after them? Do we attack ISIS? Do we militarily try to remove the threat? I think you have to attack ISIS now that they've been let loose and triggered and given uh, a, a refuge in, in part of Syria and, and, and part of Iraq. The United States has to go after them, but it needs allies in the region. And we've seen just yesterday where the Saudis are now leading a coalition primarily of Sunni governments of the region, including Egypt and others, that will do this. They realize it's an existential threat to them. And finally, we're seeing some of these countries band together, and they're going uh, to put troops together in order to, uh, to take action against ISIS. But you need, American, right. you need American intelligence, you need special forces, and you need the Europeans and others to do it as right. well. And you need to work with the Russians and the Chinese because these ISIS threats are, are, are not just in the Middle East, they're not just Europe, they're not just the U.S. Russia and China are worried about Islamic extremism and radicalism too because they can destabilize parts of Russia and parts of China. I only got 30 seconds, Bob Hormatz, and we can expand on this in another visit. Did Mr. Snowden change forever how we're going to approach going after thugs with our technology? Yes, it was very harmful what he did. It, it made it harder to collect intelligence. It made it harder for other governments to trust us. It was very harmful to, uh, to American and national security. Robert Hormatz is with Kissinger Associates and, of course, for years associated with his Tufts University and the Fletcher uh, School. We'll continue this discussion. Of course, all of our news across Bloomberg Radio will give you updates from Belgium. There has been news this morning of a third attacker arrested as the other two were suicide uh, bombers, and we'll have much more on that through the morning. I'd like to tell you the data screen is moving. It's not. Oil uh, down fractionally, 43 cents. West Texas, 4102. I'm still not used to saying that after what we've seen in the 20s and 30s as well. Futures flat. Coming up, uh, Michael McKee and myself, our conversation with James Bullard of the St. Louis Fed. Look for that in about 
90 minutes. From New York, Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by Land Rover. Adventure is yours for the taking. Visit LandRoverTriState.com for special lease and financing offers. Land Rover, above and beyond. 